Anchored in Reaching is for curious people who want to explore the story that God is writing in history and who are looking for their own place in that story to find meaning and vibrancy in their life and vocation. I'm Kevin Minoya. Join me each week as Susanna Fleming and I probe the edges of faith and living, always in relation to God who knows you best. For some, it'll be an opportunity to anchor yourself more securely in your faith. For others, it'll be motivation to reach out to engage more broadly. In either case, these conversations should encourage, enlighten, and challenge you. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this next episode of Anchored and Reaching. Anchored and Reaching is a podcast that's designed to help us all explore our faith, ask good questions, stay curious. And today I'm going to be jumping into a conversation with Dr. Kevin Minoya all about scripture. And we're going to be asking questions like, is it possible to read the Bible objectively? Is it possible to read the Bible completely literally? Is there any church that has ever taught the Bible word for word? And hopefully this will both challenge you, encourage you, um, and really give you a broader perspective for what scripture is and how it's meant to be a rich thing in our lives. Um, But we're meant to approach it with humility. So let's kick it off. Hi, folks. It's really uh, good to be with you again. And uh, Susanna and I are exploring this whole idea of the word is more than words and really talking about scripture, talking about the Bible. And uh, it's been a real uh, privilege to be able to think through some of these issues. First of all, the various ways in which God has expressed himself to us. And then in the last episode, talking a little bit about the sources of truth and the role of Scripture uh, in the primary role of Scripture in in establishing that truth and, and living our lives. And uh, this time around, in this episode, uh, I want to take us a little bit into the subject of how we interpret Scripture. Because a lot of times you hear people say, I'm only going to do what the Bible tells me to do, or we only preach the Bible, or you'll hear a pastor stand up and say, you know, we don't believe in theology, we just, we just preach the Bible, or they may not even use the word theology, uh, we're just going to do what the Bible tells us to do, and uh, we're only going to preach Jesus, we're only going to preach Scripture, Those are phrases that um, at best are naive and at worst are very arrogant in imposing uh, an interpretation of Scripture on people who would like to think that it's a purest form of understanding Scripture. So now that I uh, maybe have have created a lot of questions in your mind, let let me just tell you that the text of Scripture Uh, does not speak. It is required that we interpret it. And that interpretation comes both through the people who wrote it with the inspiration of God, but also through the people who read it, that's you, and the people who preach it. Those are the people who are vested with authority to interpret Scripture for your daily life or for the lives of, of the people that are listening. So uh, we have to understand that the text of Scripture is not purely objective, 
apart from the interpretation that we bring to it. Let me let me illustrate it this way. A number of years ago, um, my family, when my children were really small, went with another family that were close to us, and our kids were about the same age, and we decided we were going to take a vacation together. But because there were so many of us, uh, we had to take two vans, and that was back in our minivan days when uh, the kids, you know, slide the door open and jump in, and it was a lot of fun, That you know, that stage of life. And we both had minivans, so we, two families, set out to the Grand Canyon um, from Southern California, driving to see the sights in two separate minivans. And uh, our family was in one, and their family was in another. Sometimes we would mix it up with the kids. But as we drove along the, 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 the highways, and as we went to these places, then we would stop and get a drink or, or have lunch or something like that. And invariably, when we would stop, we would start talking about what we had just seen. And when we started comparing notes, it was very interesting because we both saw exactly the same sites. Those sites have been there for millennia, right? The Grand Canyon has been there for a long, long time. We went to the same places. We stood or we drove by the same sites. But when we began to describe our impression of them, when we began to interpret them, all of a sudden we began to realize how different we were seeing the very same thing. So that's the interpretive feature. That, and we call that hermeneutics. We call that interpretation. Hermeneutics is just simply a Greek word that means that emphasizes the interpretation or the explanation of something. So you see the Grand Canyon and then you interpret it with your own impressions. And usually the thing that causes you to interpret that differently from the other family is your experiences, what's important to you, and what you happen to glance and a glance at in particular. So I may have focused on one of the burrows going down the trail, and the other family or somebody in the other family may have focused on the trees that were growing at the top of the cliff on the north north side of the Grand Canyon. You see, we look at particulars that are different. We bring to that a different priority set. We bring to that a different uh, uh, experience. And we happen to be in a particularly different emotional state or, or something that we brought to that moment that is different. That's the power of interpretation. That's the power of hermeneutics. It's kind of like glasses. When you look at something through a certain color glasses, that object is going to take on the hue of, of that color. Right. If I put on orange glasses, things are going to look orangish. When I put on blue glasses, things are going to look bluish. So it's like this uh, this idea that hermeneutics is like the glasses that we wear when we look at Scripture. And that's true of our Christian life as well. That's true of everything. We all bring a hermeneutic to our interpretation of life, of experience, of God, and of Scripture. So when we interpret scripture, we recognize that we are wearing a particular set of glasses, and those glasses have been formed by our life, by our experience, by the teaching of the pastor, by our schooling, by our family, by our experiences, and by our own personal presuppositions. 
So we have to recognize that when we read Scripture, when we read a text in Scripture, that we are bringing the interpretive power to it. And that's going to affect, then, how we understand it, because hermeneutics is interpretation and hermeneutics is explanatory or explanation. So we're going to be bringing a certain set of glasses when we read Scripture. The same thing is true of pastors. And and, and if, you, if you go to church and you listen to your pastor, you can begin to think through what is the hermeneutic, what are the set of glasses that this particular pastor is bringing to this particular passage of Scripture. And then you go to another church, and they will bring a different set of glasses. Now, admittedly, that sounds as though everybody's going to do what's right in their own eyes, and everybody is going to somehow bring a different set of glasses. Well, no. In fact, as we've already talked about on this on this podcast, Anchored in Reaching, we recognize that there are some commonalities that we share one with another. And frankly, it's this hermeneutical differentiation that causes a lot lot of the different families of churches around the world. And you hear that coming through Susanna and I when we even begin to talk about Scripture. But there are commonalities that we bring to this. And we bring a particular uh, common way of approaching Scripture that we think is appropriate, that we think is, is, is good and is going to fuel your life and your thinking uh, in righteousness and in following God. So we understand that hermeneutics are very, very powerful, and there are groups, there are commonalities that we share, and we just have been talking about that over the last couple of episodes, about how we see that Scripture is prime, but is not singular in understanding truth. So, so part of the application here is for us to understand that Scripture itself has been given to us by God through the lens of the authors, the personality, the experiences, the context, the culture. That is all what's called a study of Scripture. And, and then we read that through a set of lenses that is shaped by our priorities, by our training, by our church, by our family, by our experiences. And yet, in all of that, we seek the wisdom of God through the power of the Holy Spirit to ensure that we are seeing the principle that God intends for us in living out our life in a faithful way that pursues proximity with God through Jesus Christ alone. So, Let's understand the power of the glasses that we wear and recognize that that it it really is and it really does include uh, an interpretive element that explains and then helps us to apply Scripture to our daily living. So let me invite Susanna. You may have thoughts that you have uh, been thinking as we've been talking a little bit about this. And, and um, you know, let's unpack this a little bit in terms of its application to daily life and how some of these hermeneutics come into conflict and uh, collision with one another. 
Yes. Well, I think one of the important, you said so many important things, but one of the important things you said is that we all come to scripture with a different set of glasses on. And I think it's important to point out that you actually can't come to scripture without wearing some kind of glasses. Like it's impossible to take your perspective off completely. And based off of your experiences, um, the way that your brain has developed, all of that stuff. Like we are limited human beings. And part of the whole challenge with scripture is that in a way it's God like stepping down from heaven to communicate to humans who are not on his level. Right. So we're always going to come to scripture with a set of glasses on and it's impossible for you to read the Bible quote unquote objectively doesn't exist impossible. Mm -hmm. You're only going to be able to read the Bible at least to some degree subjectively. However, we can work hard to use different hermeneutic principles and to be able to exegete or extract truth and principles from the Bible faithfully by understanding certain things. So for example, example, genre, for example, um, context, uh, reading the Bible in, in the whole, which would be like a systematic approach. These are all big theological words, but it's just, it's important for us to recognize that because as Kevin said at the beginning, you have churches that say, oh, well, we're just a Bible believing church. And I so appreciate the heart of that belief. Mm-hmm. I appreciate mm-hmm. the heart of that. But that Bible believing church on the corner of fourth and main is going to have a different set of beliefs based on the Bible than the Bible-believing church down the road. And that's just, that's how it happens. It's because of these lenses that we come into scripture with. That can feel kind of scary, but if you actually start to apply hermeneutics as you're interpreting scripture, you start to see that one, like the main things are the main thing. So we know that Jesus died on the cross. Like there are different things that um, will be hold held mostly in common. Um, but there are things that end up with completely different church expressions. Yeah. And what we can do is we can faithfully wrestle with scripture through hermeneutics so we can come to the best conclusion yeah. that we can come to. Yeah. So what do you say then? Um, I mean, this might get a little pointed, but how do you respond or how should we respond to the pastor that stands behind the pulpit and says, um, you know, we only teach the Bible. We only preach the Bible. We don't preach theology. We just preach the scripture. I don't believe them unless literally what they do is get up on stage and read the Bible. If they, if they give any coloring to it, if they give any explanation of it, then they're not only preaching the Bible. So it's reasonable to assume then that any preaching of the word is going to have some presupposition or some flavor, some color that's added by the messenger, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, you kind of already mentioned this, but taking it a little further, like every book of the Bible has a flavor based on the messenger as well. And right. so that's not a scary thing to me at all, because I think God uses humans to tell his story. So yeah. even even when like that pastor on a stage is a little bit like off colored in the way that he's presenting it, like I'm I will. Anyway, you want to be able to pick that apart and you don't want to necessarily take that presentation. But I guess I'm not scared of the messiness of it all. Yeah, there's a there's a, a preacher, a real famous preacher. Uh, he's now deceased. But his name is uh, James Earl Massey, 
and um, it's kind of interesting as the first two names of somebody else that we know. Uh, but James Earl Massey always made the statement that the preacher, the messenger is the message. The preacher mm-hmm. is the message. And I think what he was attempting, and he was a great preacher. I mean, one of the most prolific and amazing preachers in American history uh, just died about four or five years ago. But but what he was saying by that is that your life, when you when you put yourself in a position of telling other people what the scriptures are saying or what God is like or calling them to Christian living, you become the message itself because it's filtered through who you are, your experience, and then you become the embodiment. Yeah, you're using words, but it's clearly affected. Uh, by your life, your perceptions, your presuppositions, and all of that. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we we understand that a lot of pastors do that, and a lot of people do that when they disciple others. But it's really mm-hmm. important to understand the power of the glasses that we wear when we use Scripture, right? Because 100%. Because it, it can affect how other people hear it, and it can affect then how they live their lives and the decisions they make. Um, so you asked the question earlier, like, what would I say if somebody got up and said that? I I do know of some churches, right, that they'll, they'll like, we preach the Bible and then, and I love this approach, but they read a scripture and then they go through line by line mm-hmm. and they explain what that scripture means. And I think that's beautiful. I really do. It's important to have that in the church context. The the thing that you often see in that case, and not always, but you will see people who are approaching the Bible with a literal hermeneutic. So just to go back to your language about hermeneutics, like what are some of these hermeneutics that we're talking about? Okay, well, you can have a literal hermeneutic where you're like taking each line of the Bible very, very literally. The challenge with that ends up being that I have not yet seen a church that says that they take the Bible literally and takes every part of the Bible literally. Yeah, that's good. Like the only way that you could be a church that takes the Bible literally is if you have all of the women in your church wear head coverings. If you don't eat like different things, like there's there's so many things in the Bible that you could take literally, like have your men walking around with hands raised to the Lord. Women don't wear gold jewelry. Don't wear braids in your hair. Like we could go on and on and on. And I always find it really silly when people say that they take the whole Bible literally because I'm like, no, you don't. Um, And so anyway, there are certain passages of the Bible that we can take at face value in certain genres, but there are other hermeneutics that consider the genre, right? Like apocalyptic literature and revelation versus poetry and Psalms. And that changes the way that you process the passage and the way that you get truth from the passage that you can apply it to your life. Yeah, well, if we took the Bible literally, I mean, the Bible has a predisposition toward, for example, slavery. I mean, look at the number of times in the scripture that slavery is mentioned. Well, um, all of a sudden now, uh, it introduces this conflict. And of course, there are some things that happen in the Old Testament that if we take it literally, um, it it sort of contravenes what Jesus said, right? Mm -hmm. And now, one way to handle that is to say that the Old Testament is just historical books and it's not for us. 
and that the Gospels are really a period of the church life or history that are not active today, that we live in uh, the period of Christian living that's the church era from Acts forward. That's what some people say. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, now that's an extreme position. Sure. Uh, You know, that's a, you know, where there are various dispensations of Mm -hmm. God engaging with humanity. And so we assign different portions of scripture to those different eras, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's one way to get around it. But if but really, I wouldn't and, agree with that, would well, you? <laughs> no, that's why when we talk about preaching the full counsel of God, it is right. the Old and the New Testament, mm-hmm. and it is the full Scripture because we see it principally uh, based uh, on these principles, right. and we see the dynamic continuation of how God dynamically works with His people throughout history. Mm-hmm. So we've got to be careful about uh, about um, segmenting scripture and about imposing our predispositions on it. And mm-hmm. furthermore, we've got to be careful about taking our current experience and applying it back. That's yes. called that's called an anachronism. That's where we take a principle that we derive today in scripture in our context and we superimpose it back then or vice versa. You know, we're taking uh, we're taking one era, one culture, one context, one time period and we're superimposing it on others. We do that often with the issue of slavery by the way and how people interpreted the scriptures that way. And how they impose that, we do that with many, many other things. So we got to be really careful. Are you able to give careful. other examples? Because I think that would be helpful for people. Well, in in terms of uh, of an anachronism, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we often uh, we often use the principles of how God has manifested, how the Holy Spirit has manifested Himself in a life today. And we take that experience of maybe being filled with the Spirit or being uh, sanctified, and we go back and we apply that to Acts chapter 2. And we say, this is what happened in Acts chapter 2. This is what they were experiencing based upon what we experience today. So we've got to be really careful about not superimposing our understanding of something today on the people back then, because we got to realize different culture, different language, different time period, different circumstances, a different mindset. We often run into the difficulty when we try to impose on the Hebrews a Western mindset. That's a really good example. Yeah. Because if you read like the Old Testament, there's a lot of um, language in there about God remembering his people, about like these different lines that it's really hard for us to reconcile if we happen to believe that like God is omnipotent and God has all knowledge and all power. But we have to remember that that was written from a deeply Hebrew perspective, which had a different worldview. So I think that's a really good example. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if we go back and we think about love the Lord uh, with all your heart, well, you know, we think of that in one way, but mm-hmm. in the Hebrew sense, that was very different than how we Western uh, um, North American 21st century global culture think of it today. Mm-hmm. And we've got we've to make sure that when we're studying scripture, 
we're, we're looking at it with that kind of an understanding Mm-hmm. And not superimposing our presuppositions and predispositions today on what it was saying then. Now, what that means is then we go back and we try to distill within that context what was really happening, what are the circumstances, what was the pattern of thinking in context, mm-hmm. culture, language, situation, uh, all of those things. And then from that study, we distill a principle. This is why I call, I, I prefer to use the word scripturally principled mm-hmm. rather than Bible based. Um, because scripturally principled looks at the context and the situation. It distills a principle out of that time, and then that principle transcends time. So we make sure that we don't bring the practices or the particulars into our situation, and, uh, and we bring the principle, and then we live that out in our context. That's incarnation. Right. That's incarnational Christian living. We're taking a principle that God has given throughout history. We're embodying it. We're internalizing it. We're taking it into ourselves, Christ in us. And then we're living that out in a contextual way incarnationally today. Mm hmm. Yeah. So I feel like that is a good starting point for people to start to process this conversation. I do want to say that when it comes to scripture, this can feel really scary or overwhelming all of a sudden because it's like, well, how do I even begin to derive anything from scripture unless I spend hours studying and I go back to the original Greek and Hebrew? And honestly, I would consider this an invitation to start to invest yourself in that way because I promise your life with scripture is going to be much more rich. But there's also the other side of scripture, which is that we don't just read it, it reads us, right? And there are these other approaches to scripture, like Lectio Divina, which is reading the passage out loud aloud over and over and allowing it to settle into your spirit. So right now we're coming from a very intellectual Bible study approach, and it's really important that we all catch this. And then as you're doing that, make sure that you also spend time just letting scripture wash over you, because it's this really beautiful you know, multidimensional thing that's been given to us. And I personally really struggle, Kevin. I don't know about you, but like my deepest prayer to God is like, why did you make this so difficult for us to interpret? Like, I'm so angry that there are so many denominations fighting over scriptural interpretation and that people come at it from so many different perspectives. It's like, this is me being super vulnerable. Like I wrestle with this, but I also see in the midst of it, an invitation to really like embrace the mess of the incarnation and the fact that God was fully God, fully human. Well, sorry, Jesus, fully fully God, fully human. That's messy. It's hard for us to wrap our brain around. And here we have this divine piece of literature that is also being interpreted and even laid out through the hands of humans. Mm -hmm. It's super challenging, but it's an invitation for us to dive a little deeper, I would say, and really get into this humble, very, very humble, um, very committed to wrestling faithfully and you know, I guess relational posture as we read the Bible with the Holy Spirit, if you have all those three postures, then you're not hopefully going to mess up too bad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's well put. And, you know, actually, as we point uh, everybody to our next episode, um, I, I appreciate what you're saying, Susanna, because 
you know, we can become really um, upset about all the different ways that the scriptures are handled or manhandled, mm-hmm. uh, depending on the situation. Uh, yep. The other way sometimes of looking it's at used that manipulatively. is, yeah, absolutely, it is, absolutely, it is. Um, but the other way of looking at it is, in all of the different uh, hermeneutics that we recognize, what I find uh, deep joy in is that God is the author of it all. It is all, it all proceeds from God. And it's up to us to discover God through the various ways God has revealed himself to us. So you're right, humbly approaching this, learning, growing, understanding, and not superimposing on scripture mm-hmm. um, such a, a, um, a straitjacket that we can't learn about the greatness of God. And frankly, next time we get together, um, as we wrap this up, next time we get together, we're going to talk actually about the authority of Scripture and some of the terms that are often used when we talk about the authority of Scriptures in our Christian life mm-hmm. and how how we see that, how we apply that, and what are some of those words and why are some of those words somewhat misleading. We're going to talk about, you know, it being infallible, authoritative, inspired. And then we're going to throw in a a brief conversation about the whole idea of inerrancy and how that can actually be a misguiding term uh, in terms of applying to our daily Christian lives. So um, I'm hopeful that folks will join us. And um, I I think you always say this. Can I say it this time? That if you have questions... (laughs) (laughs) that if you have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. And I think you can do that uh, through uh, the show notes. There should be an email link. We would love to hear from you. If you would write a note, if you want to ask a question, um, we just pray that this is helpful to you and that you are inspired by what we're talking about. We look forward to being with you the next go around as we talk about the authority of Scripture in our Christian life. Let me encourage you that who you are is more important than what you do. The lure of defining yourself by your performance is stronger than you might think. So join me in upcoming weeks as we explore the whole leader God created you to be.